Hello, Food Chain. This is Sharon Chitur, and I'm a food tech junkie and innovation nerd who loves a good story. This podcast combines all of my favorite vices into a deep dive about the problems our food system faces and the visionary people working on solutions. Today, we have a very special guest joining us, Nicola Tagliaferro, an extraordinary individual deeply committed to driving NLX positive change into the world. In today's episode, we dive deep into the profound impact that energy and agriculture have on our planet. Nicola sheds light on the interconnectedness of these two critical sectors and explores how their practices influence our environment, ecosystems, and climate. We'll dive into solutions, and I can't wait for all you guys to hear. Are you ready? Here we go. Hi, Nicola. How are you? I'm fine, and you? And thanks for this opportunity. Thank you. I'm very excited about this episode. I am very good. I'm very happy to have you on today on Food Tech Junkies. We will have a different take for our listeners because your work is in energy, but a lot in circularity and agri-food. So how did you get started? What's your journey been like? Well, sure. My journey starts very far from where I am now because actually I started to work in finance. I was working in London and I've been working in finance for the first 10 years of my professional life. But then at one point I decided to work on my own values and to start my own startup that was dedicated actually to sustainability and was a sort of trip advisor of sustainability it was matching demand and offer of sustainable products. And after this experience, uh, I received this, let's say, yeah, I still believe it's an, it was an incredible opportunity from the current CEO of one of the biggest utilities worldwide, that is my current CEO of, of, of NLX, Francesco Venturini, to lead the, the team of sustainability for, for NLX. To bring a, a different view of sustainability connected to business opportunities because I was coming from a startup and financial, but in the same time, I had strong value on sustainability and that's why I'm here now. Got it. But you also did projects and looked at agriculture. What is your take and what is, in your opinion, the impact that agriculture has on people and planet? Well, agriculture has an incredible impact on, on people. If you just think that the agricultural sector impacts of almost 5% of the global GDP, it's, it, it's, a big, it's a big amount. If you think about the, the water consumption is around 70, 70% of global fresh water. And also, if you think about people that are involved into this sector. So we are talking about their professional, but also their, 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 their personal life as in terms of surface occupied by agriculture. So the impact is extremely, is extremely high. And this is the reason why as a sustainability professional, I started to work and also NL as a company, we started to to work on, started to work on it, uh, to understand how energy can impact on the sector and how can support, of course, the decarbonization of, of the sector, but uh, not only from an environmental point of view, because this sector is extremely crucial also for social inclusion. The wellness of people is extremely, is extremely important. 
but also the human rights respect is extremely important. So as you can see, this, this sector is so important from a sustainability point of view that a company like an Alexa that is so focused on sustainability couldn't have not really pay attention on it. Yes, I mean, indeed. And I mean, the food system as a whole impacts one third of all carbon emissions, which is huge. What kind of, let's say, projects are you guys doing to decarbonize or to make this better? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, agriculture has a, has a great potential in terms of the surface available. And when we talk about surface available, there is an immediate connection to photovoltaic, for example. And this is something, uh, a specific strategy where the NL group uh, is focusing in, the, in, in this period. There are a lot of places, not just, uh, let's say, uh, soil or land, uh, available land, but uh, we're talking about building infrastructure that are, are already built, uh, that have rooftop. And um, this roof uh, can be used uh, to, uh, to place photovoltaic panels. And uh, this is definitely one first uh, application of renewable energy within, uh, within this sector. There are, we are, we are, we are talking about very high potential, not just of course for, for Italy, but worldwide. And energy is the main, let's say, producer of CO2 uh, within also, within also the, within also the sector and has also not just through the photovoltaic has also, has also been great potential, for example, also with the biomass that agriculture really can use to solve two problems. One is the electricity production, but also the waste uh, treatment that can be, can be solved at, at the same time. For example, there are some, some data for, for Italy that maybe can be also my contribution to you and for the audience of this podcast that, for example, in Italy, according to the public, it's called GSE, which is the public operator, the 8.5% of electricity production from renewable sources is, is produced by agriculture. So imagine that already today, how much contribution the agricultural sector is bringing to the, to the entire production for, for the entire region, so for Italy. And actually the 2.5% is produced by uh, photovoltaics. And uh, for example, this is, those are just some numbers to give the idea of the impact, but uh, we are talking only of existing production while the really the opportunities is extremely, is extremely higher. It's also true that, and this is very interesting and reason why I wanted to talk because it's a very interesting view that the only the 16% is produced in the south of Italy, where there is more sun available, actually, in Alcree, the production could be more, so that the panels and the production could be more efficient, while the mass part is produced in the north in the north, center, north part of Italy. So this is just to tell you what, what is actually the opportunities of uh, developing more and more in the south where this kind of resources, natural resources uh, is uh, even more, uh, more available. And what do you think realistically the situation of agriculture, like the impact of energy and ag will be in the near future? What changes do you see? 
Well, I see interesting changes if innovation and sustainability are going to work together because it's extremely important that also new technologies are introduced into the, into the system. And for example, something that we found extremely interesting looking at the future is, for example, the agrivoltaic. So the agrivoltaic is a combination of production from renewable sources, but in the same time, maintaining a production within the land that is used to produce electricity. So this combination is a, a, a win-win solution because the land is not just left unused or sometimes are are used to avoid grass growing in the middle of the panels when are used chemical pesticides. So the combination and valorization of the, of the land through innovative solution that can combine both the production on one side and the agriculture from the other side, we believe is, is one of the best of the best solution looking, looking at the future. For example, we are developing a some projects already on the agrivoltaic, but it is also true that there is no possibility to standardize this kind of, this kind of solution because it depends from the territory, depends from the cultures, the local culture, it depends from the land, it depends from the sun, it depends on so many, it depends from incentives because let's say also that those kind of choices are depending depending often on regulation, on incentives, on public incentives, et cetera. So, and this is a bit a limitation because less is a standardized a solution, more complicated. So more customized is the solution, more complicated is to spread this solution on the market, not just as NLX. Our aim as one of the biggest utility worldwide is to introduce solution. And we are also, we, we welcome competition because when there is competition, it means that a business is profitable and it's also normal that also other companies are entering. So on this agrivoltaic, let's say we, we need to work more with the innovation to understand how we can standardize as much as possible in this, this kind of combination. But uh, there is also another interesting uh, synergy that the, the, agri the agricultural sector really could, could, do, could bring and we believe is a strong opportunity and is with the energy communities. And energy communities are something that is just for, for European, for other European countries like Germany, Netherlands, uh, is something already established since, since many years and they experimented already with this kind of, this kind of approach. But in Italy is something extremely new because we didn't have a regulation supporting this kind of, let's say, possibility, opportunities or method of organization or energy. But now finally with the red two and with the, with the directive, we are now ready also as as a, as a region to, to start so that our proposal is now in the European, uh, in, in Europe for final approval, but we expect in the next weeks or maximum in the next month to have clear legislation on this. So knowing exactly what are the incentives and 
the energy communities uh, represents uh, a mechanism, a system where people, uh, companies, public administration uh, can be together and can, uh, can developing a sort of energy communities within them where there are people that, or individuals or companies that produce, other that consumes, then they can regulate uh, this, this exchange of energy within their community. And for Italy, those communities are extremely important because there are some cities, for example, small cities or old cities that uh, where it is not possible to install in ancient roof the panels. They can, for example, think about the Umbrian or, or Perugia or those kind where we met during your yeah, exactly. During your, your event is, is extremely important that, for example, on the countryside, uh, agricultural lands can be used to produce electricity that then can be used within the medieval uh, historical center of, of, another, of, of another city. So great opportunities. Or let's think about really green, greenhouses and rethink the way of creating greenhouses where on the top of those greenhouses there are panels that can also improve the use of water of the, of the, green, of the greenhouse. So even reducing, so from one side producing electricity, but on the other side helping in reducing the infrastructure in the whole reducing grid use of water. So there are definitely an interesting combination among the energy production and uh, all the incentives that there are already, for example, in Italy on the production of, from, renewable, from renewable sources. Plus, there is an extra incentive from the participation to energy communities, and this to incentivate even more the production from renewable, because actually the only reason why the energy community is incentivated is because the regulator wants to incentivate the, let's say, the, 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 the construction of new energy from, from renewable sources or new energy infrastructure. Uh, so all this combination with the agrivoltaic energy communities and photovoltaic can really be extremely, extremely helpful. But uh, in terms of portfolio of solution that we always propose to the agrivoltaic sector thinks that we did actually working with one of the biggest agricultural company in Italy that is called the Gen Agricola, which is part of the Generali group with 22 sites all over, all over Italy. We, what, what we did is working on, of course, on the production and self-production from renewable sources on the energy communities, you know, of course, waiting uh, the, the, new, the, the new directive, but uh, there is also the electric uh, mobility because there is a fleet that those companies are using for their transportation. So also the transformation of uh, their fleet from conventional sources into electric, but there is uh, something, Sharon, I left uh, at the end, but uh, there is something uh, which is not actually only specifically related to the agricultural business, but is cross to any, any sector and is the efficiency. Because working on efficiency is the, is the best way to work on sustainability. Saving a kilowatt hour is the most, a saved kilowatt hour is the most sustainable 
kilowatt hour that can be can be done, when it can be produced, because the saving is in itself the best way of doing sustainability. And so this is the reason why there are solutions that allow companies to work specifically on their consumption, understanding their their processes, understanding how to make those processes more efficient in terms of, of course, of reducing the amount of energy that is used. And in the agricultural sector, the refrigeration uh, part of the value chain, let's define in this way, is extremely important because in that specific part of the value chain, there are an incredible opportunities in terms of saving, in terms of energy efficiency, and so in terms of sustainability, because is the let, let's also remember, sorry if I stress this point, the efficiency is the best way of applying sustainability. I think what I see happening, at least in the agri-food industry, which you touched upon, is not just for energy, it's like the lack of standardization. Food, as you said, is cultural. This is a topic that we discuss often. Every country has also different regulatory processes. It's not like a car where it's a car wherever it's the same globally, right? Food is extremely different and that makes it that much harder to create something that can truly impact because you might have it in, you can't really do standards. So that is something that I too stress a lot and also the need and I'm happy that you guys are doing it. I see more and more the building of these associations or, you know, groups of people that are trying to push impact. And that's happening in many different sort of more innovative sectors because also of the need for regulatory processes to be changed. So kudos to that. I'm glad you guys are doing it. So you talked about say, energy agriculture but you're also an expert in circularity, which food, the food industry, I think is, again, one of the, the most impactful, possibly, creators of circularity, whether it's, you know, food waste and packaging or new ingredients or energy. What kind, can you tell us a little bit about, well, the agri-food sector and circularity, your work, and then we'll take it from there. Okay. Well, the circular economy within the agri, agri-food uh, is, is expressed through the, the business models that is of the circular business models or level, levers of the circular economy. In the sense that the water as, as let's say expert in, in a certain, in a certain way of circular economy, considering I'm working now so many, so many years on on this, uh, I can say that those levers can be applied to every, every sector. And uh, it is correct to look uh, at uh, sustainable input, uh, to look at life extension, uh, to look as, as much as possible, to look at, of course, recycling, reuse, uh, and uh, working on uh, sharing, uh, of course, and the product as a service uh, as model, uh, which, of course, in the case of food, uh, we have some limitation because of course the food is different from cars while if i am a car producer and i'm thinking to use the sharing model or the product as a service cleaning model of course if i am a 
a producer of food, of cereal, or even if I'm making pasta, and it, it is of course totally different in terms of in terms of in terms of approach. But from of course on from our point of view. The first and last business model, which is sustainable input and recycling and reuse, are definitely the most important business models for this for this specific sector. Sustainable sustainable input because there is the possibility to use and to get input and output from from the process that are, of course, uh, less impacting. Let's think about with the water, with the chemicals. Uh, there, there are huge potentials of improvement. And fortunately, with, uh, there are a lot of new innovation like hydroponic, aquaponic. There are a, a lot of new innovation that will allow us to reduce strongly the, the, the amount of re natural resources we are, uh, we are using. In the same time, we have to also, in this case, reduce with the recycling and with the reuse, but we need to reduce as much as possible also the waste. We and and we know, and of course, this is something. But the circular economy and the process of analyzing all the processes through a circular thinking, so through the circular, totally different way, deconstructing the current way we are doing things and reconstruct the same processes, but through the circular thinking, it is really the right, the right, the right solution. Consider that this is one of the approach that we used, we, we use currently using in an end that is called the circular economy boosting program, which is really a program that is going to focus solution by solution within the entire value chain. So piece of piece of the value chain and trying to understand how to deconstruct any part of the value chain and to reconstruct it using a circular thinking, which is an, a, a, a fantastic experience, a wonderful experience because allow us to view, so to, 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 to analyze things from the beginning and really to see how those things can be done better than the current way, but not only on a sustainable point of view, also on economic and financial point of view, because we believe that sustainability needs to go in the same, so needs to run in the same way of the economic part because the business needs to drive the sustainability. If it's not in this way, we risk of not to really to apply in a permanent way the sustainability things that we need actually to, to do. So that's the way how definitely circular economy should be introduced and applied within, within agriculture. How do you apply it in agriculture and how do you measure it? How do you measure the impact? Yeah, you, you mentioned something extremely important, the, the measurement, the, the, actually the, the metrics, what we call the metrics, that is at the base of the strategy of my, to be honest, is at the base of my personal way of approaching sustainability and became, of course, also the base of the NLX, the NLX strategy. If we do not measure, we cannot improve. So that's a, a, an economic law, very old one. It's not me to, of course, the inventor of the, of this, of this, this rule. And it's extremely important to, to measure ourselves because the, the, the measurement is the starting point where we can really work on to apply. And this is the reason why, for example, in NLX, we developed in the last five years, we developed the metrics 
to measure the level of circular economy and the work we did on the 22 sites of uh, Gen Agricola, the company uh, I mentioned also before, started from the metric. And uh, this metric uh, has uh, a double, let's say, it has a, a double dimension. The first dimension is called corporate dimension, and it's going to measure the overall company strategy on the circular economy. So, what kind of the procurement, which, um, for example, criteria of selection of suppliers, uh, what is the logistic, what is the waste treatment, what is the what is the energy and everything that is uh, connected to the life or the governance, uh, everything that is connected to this kind of to this kind of of approach on the circular economy, the mobility, of course, everything, everything and the energy. So it's the overall way how the company, so all the aspects you know, on the on the company. And of course, there are algorithms where according to data that are collected, there would be a specific score, which is the starting point, the score that is measuring the, the, the starting point. Then there is also another dimension, which is a vertical, very detailed on the energy. Because the energy, we have production of the energy, we have the energy management, which is a different way of approaching the energy. We have the efficiency and we have also enablers. So what are the extra activities that are not directly connected to energy, but are they in it, are enablers to the energy. The, this is the way how we approach and this is the way how we did this analysis. So every site was analyzed in details through the energy methodology, the energy approach. And every site had a specific starting point. From this starting point, and according to all the information we collected, we started to do what we call the circular intelligence. The circular intelligence is going to study every aspect of the company. So how much was was consumed of electricity in which hours, if there was already available self-production through, for example, in uh, two of the 22 sites where the company had uh, two biomass plants that were already producing electricity, but they had so many surfaces in terms of roofs that could have been used to be, but not all the roofs are really eligible to be, to become, to guess the, the, the panels. So it is really an analysis that needs to be done. Then there is the analysis on the efficiency as well on the processing, trying to understand what are the equipments, what is the level of efficiencies of the equipments, what are the processes. So, and in the same time was related to the logistic part, the analysis of the logistic parts. So there were fleets, how many cars were used, how they were moving around Italy and moving, going from one site to another, the journey that they were having during, during the day. So. This kind of analysis, we were able to collect, give us the possibility to collect an important amount of information and then to come out with a, we called a sustainability roadmap. So, which is really a roadmap that says, okay, if your level is starting level of this site is 20% measured on this specific way, which is a certified way, of course, very credible and serious way of of measuring, then you have the possibility to in, 
improve your self-production through installing this electricity in this way, then to saving electricity and making another saving on this, then to have electric fleet and electric charger within this site. Then, and then going on, on those kind of, on those kind of potential. An idea, something that came out was, for example, the retrofitting, the electric retrofitting of trucks, which is something we are still now analyzing with them, which is incredible, you know, because after you start to do some, some improvement, then you really, you like it and then you want to do even, even more. And then now, for example, we are working on the, also on the retrofitting of trucks to complete the way of, and something else, for example, for uh, always with, uh, with, with Chenegrigola that we did was, for example, to create a QR code that they now are using on the production of some wine that they produce wine in one of the sites that explain all the roadmap, all the sustainability roadmap that they, for example, do to produce now with the renewable energy, with efficiency, with electric mobility, so that everyone that drink that wine can actually even know behind that wine what are what is all the commitment of, of the group of Gen Agricola. Which gives a lot more transparency. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. I mean, that's amazing to approach your work and the people you work with in a project with system thinking, which is something that we don't do enough of, unfortunately. In addition to how you approach sustainability and circularity at Intellex, the world is not an Intellex and not everybody is you. What do you think we should do as a, as a society, I guess, to ensure that we continue to build circular business models or regenerative business models instead of linear ones? Yeah, I, I think that all of us have uh, a, a different, as a different role. So media have a role, companies have a role, public institutions, they have a different role. So I think that we need a combination of actions and we, we need that everyone actually is doing the right thing. Actually, and actually something we need to do and to, and this is one of the message I try to stress every time we need to make sustainability a profitable business. This is extremely important because if we do not find economically sustainable, first of all, the sustainability, it will be impossible to make it become a massive process where everyone and every company is looking as a first thing. So this is as a, let's say, strategic target. But in terms of operative target, all of us needs to do what is able to do. So if I am a public institution, I need to work on incentive because of course it is something that needs to be incentivated in the beginning. And it's natural that every change requires an incentive you need to be, to become reality and to incentivate people need to, to change, you know, because you know how important and how difficult is the change, but. Yeah, so, and resilience, you know, all the, all the, all these, those important concepts. The different are companies. Companies, of course, needs to be incentivated through the right incentive, incentives, but in the same time, they are driven innovation. So they are also the one that are innovating because needs to be competitive, needs to provide a new solution to, to, to clients. 
In the same time, the media needs to provide the right information and then push and drive more and more final consumers in asking requires as something mandatory, the sustainability from companies and all the products they they buy in the end. So all of us as final consumers, we need to pretend, we need to be very pretending in terms of sustainability on the media and the communication, we need to communicate and we need actually to communicate in the right way, the sustainability. Things that actually at today is difficult to find the right communication of sustainability, the right education, the right way, how really we need to teach some important concept and also difficult sometimes concept that are included into, into sustainability. And so many roles and all of us is responsible of pursuing their own role. It's not always easy. I feel we live in a very fragmented society where media is more often than not just sort of in their own direction and in their own world. And that is definitely not not easy. But as you said, I think if one thinks about it, sustainability is the most profitable of all because you are wasting less, you are consuming less, you are doing what you have to and not overly do, but people are unaware of this. They just see a massive amount of spending and not enough returns. But there are some, some companies that have seen the light and you're one of them. Before we close, is there anything else you'd like to add? I would like to, to thank you, Sharon, because uh, for example, with this podcast and having the possibility to share this experience as a best practice, I think this is a very important way of communicating and also supporting companies that are doing this kind of, that decided to do this kind of, of strategy. So uh, I wish you good luck and thanks again for this opportunity. Thank you. And if people want to know more about the work you do, how can they contact you linkedin or a website yes absolutely they can they, they can contact me on all socials available so on linkedin mainly i recently wrote also a book that is called the circular economy manager and also to, to share this experience regarding this new profession uh, which is now getting more and more space within within organization and you can find everything on, on online so my presence is is online and i'm very active in answering so absolutely here for this can you tell us a little bit about circular economy manager and also the preface of the book that you did yes yes i was very honored to write the uh, the preface of Net Positive, an incredible and inspiring book written by Paul Polman and Andrew Winson, best international bestseller that uh, actually could really inspire me. We all, all of us, every company, every organization should have this net positive strategy in, in, in everything, in every action. The reason is because we should think of creating value while we are doing something. If I produce something, this production of whatever needs to bring value, a real value to people, to the community, to the territory, to the planet. If it's not, if it's something that it's only done on maybe on a need that has been appositely created or a fake need, 
this is really a problem. But net positive is a very, very inspiring and for me was a very honored. But in the same time, it was an incredible experience also writing actually my experience of being a circular economy manager when in the early 2016, 17, actually I was not aware to be a circular economy manager, Sharon. So, but I understood that I was during the time once I started to create this methodology we just described before, the circular economy boosting program, and then EPDI worked team by team, region by region, EPDI was directly involved really getting dirty my, my, my hands, which is one of my claims. You know, I always get dirty my, my hands. I worked with the people that were in the business, that were working with the, with the solution, finding with them the best solution. So recreating, redesigning the processes, redesigning the solution, making through a, a circular mindset, through a circular thinking. So an incredible experience that has been, as now is concluded with the publication also of the book and also in this case, uh, hoping that this experience can be inspirational for many people that wants to change their job. Because something, and this is the characteristic of, of the book, uh, is really connected to the fact that to be a circular economy manager, it's not, it, it's not necessary to be technical expert of something. We need to had some soft skills, some ability, some soft ability that are, for example, the persistency, the creativity, the innovation, the communication, the negotiation. Those are really important key to become a circular economy manager. The technical skills can be learned on the job. So doing on doing the job. Well, great. Thank you very much. And I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you very much to you. And of course, I super enjoyed. Want to dive deep into food innovation? Subscribe to the Food Tech Junkie series. Tune in and listen to the industry's champions whose mission is to reinvent our future by collaborating and disrupting the status quo as a way to rebalance our planet in our daily lives. For more great content, visit our website at www.edibleplanetventures.com and follow us on social media on the Edible Planet Ventures channels.